But let's dive in today uh, to our last installment of our Believe series. If you missed any of it, you can catch it on our uh, YouTube channel, which if you haven't subscribed to that or our podcast, we're on both uh, Spotify and Apple, um, and I believe Google as well. Um, but I want to kind of wrap up the series. It really ties in very well to our first message of the series. If you were a part of it or you heard it, where we talked about the idea, the title was Wet Feet. And it was all about how Joshua and the Israelites had stepped out in faith and how God had parted the Red, or not the Red Sea, the Jordan River. Uh, and today, um, today's message, you know, there are some messages or some passages, passages of Scripture um, that are practical for our life and helpful for our life. They're about our relationships. They might be about um, prayer. They might be about our finances. They might be about raising our children. And then there are some passages and there are some messages um, that are maybe um, less on the teaching side and more to stir our faith. Uh, the Bible says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And maybe you're here today, maybe you're like me. When I, when I was, um, especially early on, when I was kind of coming back to faith, one of the things, the areas of my life that, of my faith, this might sound odd saying this, that I sort of at times struggled with was actually the element of having faith. Because faith by its nature is believing in something that you, don't ha- you do not have certainty about. Uh, it's, it's believing in something, acting in something, and having faith in something. Like, for me, I like to understand. Like, I like to know. Like, that, that helps me if I, I know. Uh, but as a, as a quote that I've, I've shared many a times, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said this, that faith is taking the first step without seeing the entire staircase. Uh, that so often the life of faith is a life of where we don't fully know and we don't necessarily trust in the plan. We don't trust in our steps. We trust in the one who ordains our steps. And today's message is going to be all about to stir our faith today. And uh, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 17. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if not, we'll have them on the screens. But first, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this opportunity, this moment that we have uh, to gather together, God, uh, oh Lord, in your presence, God, under the teaching of your word. And we pray, God, as we open it up, God, we just posture our hearts, our minds, our spirits to receive for what you have for us today. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. First Corinthians, or sorry, first Corinthians, first Kings 17. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in verse 7. Um, I'll give a little bit of a context of what was happening at this time. Um, there had been a drought in the land. For about three and a half years uh, at this point in the scriptures, and uh, a drought would be significant in our current day, but even more significant then because it was an agrarian culture. Uh, their income, their resource was dependent upon rain in order to have crop. So this three and a half year drought was significant. It was a significant economic downturn. Uh, it was worse than inflation. Come on, somebody. Uh, it was significant. In fact, we're going to see that in this moment, there's a woman who is completely hopeless. Um, she's using the last of her resource to make uh, some food for her and her son. And there's a, there's a man of God, a prophet of God, Elijah, uh, who God, many of you know Elijah. If you do not, he's a, he was a prophet, which back then the prophets, uh, they both carried the presence of God, but spoke on behalf of God. And the, Elijah was, was, was 
invited, or rather instructed by God to uh, go to this woman, this widow, and her son, and carry a word to her. And what we see in this moment is this woman, both Elijah and this widow's willingness to trust God, uh, led to supernatural blessing, supernatural miracle in their life. Let's read the Bible. First Kings 17, verse 7 says this. Sometime later, the book, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there to ga gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? She was going to get it. He said, bring me, please, a piece of bread. He's like, while you're up, can you make me a sandwich? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Anybody you do that? Come on. When your spouse gets up, hey, hey, honey, while you're up, can you just give me a sandwich? <laughs> it's like just having fun. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. She said, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and hear the hopelessness and die. Elijah then said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. There was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. and The jug of oil did not run dry, keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. I want to share three thoughts uh, about this idea. I've entitled today's message, Miraculous Faith, uh, that we can apply to our own life. Here's the first point. Uh, if you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, just write this down. And that is trust God at his word. That if we want to see God do something miraculous in our life, which I believe if you're here today, uh, you're here because you desire, at least to some extent, to see God move in your life. If you desire to see God move greatly in your life, can you say amen? amen? I assume if you're watching online, you want to see God move in your life. And this is important that we must trust God at his word. God first came to Elijah and he says, I want you to go from your place of comfort, your hometown, your city to a place called Zarephath. Now, mind you, Zarephath was the center of Baal worship. It essentially, in him being a prophet of Yahweh, him representing God, going into the center of Baal worship was like, who would want to do that? But Elijah in this moment had to determine as well because the Lord said, there's a woman there and she's going to have bread for you. Now, mind you, this woman again, she said, I have no bread. I have a very little oil and very little flour. So in this moment, Elijah had to decide, am I going to trust 
in God's word to me or am I going to trust in my own thoughts? Am I going to trust in the circumstances? Am I going to believe that in the midst of a drought to a widow who, just to give context, widows were the most economically and socially disadvantaged and oppressed people group in a community. So God said, listen, I'm actually going to send you to those the world, the culture has overlooked. I'm going to send those that feel overlooked and devalued and oppressed and I'm actually going to move mightily through this person. Aren't you grateful that God's not looking for the highly qualified? In fact, God actually loves to go and look for those who feel overlooked, who feel disadvantaged. And he said, that's the one I'm going to use. That's the one I'm going to work through. Because the ways of God don't always make sense in the ways of our culture. So Elijah had to determine whose word am I going to believe? And there will come times in your life where you have to decide whose word am I going to believe in my life. I was reminded of Isaiah 55. The prophet Isaiah says this in verse 11. Actually, he writes what the Lord is speaking. So shall the, my word, the Lord says, be, be that goes out of my mouth. Watch this. It shall not return empty. It shall accomplish what it sets out, which I purpose and shall succeed for the thing for which I sent it. There will come times in your life when either God's written word may feel like it is contrary to what you're experiencing. Or there may be times in life when God speaks a word to you. Have you been there? You felt an impression from God. You felt you got a word from God. And then you're like, God, was that you or is that some cold pizza? Come on, somebody. Because I don't see what you said. Has anybody been there before? That you may be there, right? You may have an illness that the doctor says there's no cure for. But you may read in your Bible that it actually says that by his wounds, Isaiah 54, we are healed. You may be in a season where you feel like, even recently, somebody told me they had felt like God was so distant from them. And that may be how you feel. But God's eternal, always reliable word says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.8. You may feel like, man, my. My business is struggling. Come on, I got more expenses than I got income. But then you read the word of Philippians 4:19 that says, He will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You may feel like somehow that God is upset with you, that God does not love you, but may I remind you of Romans chapter 8 that says, Nothing, neither death nor anything in this world can separate you from the love of God. See, sometimes, church. You will have a moment in your life where you will have to decide, will I stand on the never changing, always reliable, eternal, always returns and fulfills its purpose, word of God, or am I going to be led by my feelings or my circumstances or my conditions? Can I speak into our current culture right now? We might be uh, facing an unstable economy. But my word says he supplies all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. My word says that God is my provider. And I'm trying to stir your spirit up today because in this moment we see God move. But Elijah and this widow had to determine whose word am I going to believe. I've shared this before, but let me remind you to encourage you. We started this church Back in 2018, one of the first things we were looking for was a location. 
Uh, it's hard to gather to worship when you have no place to gather. Come on, somebody. And what the Lord spoke to us in prayer, and God speaks through his word. God can speak a word to you in prayer. God can speak a word right now to you. That's why I always encourage you to come to church and you bring a notepad. You have your phone open to notes and not Instagram. Come on, somebody. Not so you record, I, I just convicted somebody. Not so you record what Jeremy has to says, because I believe the spirit of the Lord is in this place and he wants to speak a word for you, but you may miss it if you're not ready and waiting to receive it. I will. But listen, when we, we couldn't, when we, we first went to find a location for, for the church, uh, the, the schools I reach out to, no. Event venues, no. Movie theaters, no. Like, we got so many no's. But you know what I did? I went back into my journal of April 2017 when God said that we are going to start a church in Bethesda. And I said, God, if you said it, I am going to believe it. Amen. And can I tell you, we are here today because of a word from God. And can I tell you this whole believe initiative, we are stepping out in faith on a word from God. So even when I don't see it, I'm still going to believe it because I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. Anybody receive this morning? I'm trying to stir your faith up. Not, not, listen, let me say this, too. I'm not trying to get you emotional. Be clear. I'm passionate because I believe in this. I'm trying to stir up what we cannot see. I, listen, it does no good for you to get excited at church, but have no faith on Monday. Well, what's the point? I'm not here to do religious activity. I'm here to walk by faith Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. When my kids are going crazy, walk by faith. When I'm upset with my coworker, I walk by faith. In my finances, I walk by faith. Anybody hearing me? All right. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> and listen to this. Listen to this. He comes to this woman who is hopeless. Can you imagine? She said, I'm about to make our last meal and me and my son are going to die. I love that also that God provided for the most disadvantaged person in the community. I mean, you know, God cares about the marginalized. That's why when we, when we, we move into this facility... It's going to be a place where we are blessing those who feel most overlooked and disadvantaged in our community. Because that's the heart of our God. Can I get amen? amen. And he, he comes to this woman. And listen, he was actually coming. And we're going to see at the end of this passage. He, he's going to come and bring hope to a woman who's hopeless. May I submit this to you? Here's why it's so important you trust the word of God and you do the word of God. Because you never know who will be blessed on the other side of your yes. You never know. Elijah could have easily said, God, why do you have me going to Zarephath? God, do you know Zarephath? They worship Baal. Do you know that, like, do you know who they are and do you know who I am? You're calling me to there. I'm not going. <laughs> Anybody ever try to justify disobedience with the Lord? God, really? You want me to do that? Like, listen, little did he know he was coming to bring hope to a hopeless woman. Little did he know that he was going right in the center of Baal worship. And this woman's heart would turn towards the one true God.
Never underestimate the value of your obedience because you never know who will be blessed by your yes. You don't know who's going to be. You don't know that business that you've stepped out to start. You don't know who's who's there's there's someone on the other side of that that you're going to employ and you're going to bless because of that business. There's somebody else who will be blessed because of that book you're going to write. There's someone who will receive the hope of Jesus Christ because of your generosity. You never know who will be blessed on the other side of your prayers. You never know who will be blessed on the other side of your yes. Jeremiah 7, 23, the Lord says this, Obey me, I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. What he was saying there is that your obedience in this generation will lead to blessings for generations to come. You know, I was reminded of how someone's yes at one point blessed my life. I came back to faith as an adult. When I was 26 years old, it's now about 14 years ago, I grew up in church, but I came back to faith as an adult. And I walked into a church like Catalyst Church. And this church had a permanent facility, a beautiful facility. Uh, They had a wonderful team like we do. In fact, can we do this? Can we put our hands together for all of our dream team, our setup team, production team, worship team, kids team? And it was in that church that I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and my life was forever changed. Can I tell you, I'm here today because of that church. Let me put it, let me make it just real practical. I am here because years previously, I know this, that in that church, they actually even did an initiative much like we're doing here with belief to have money for a permanent facility. There were people several years before I ever came there who said yes to God. What they did not know is that their simple yes would lead to me saying yes to Jesus, would lead to Christine and I starting this church. Can I tell you, do not underestimate the power of your yes to God. You don't know who's going to be blessed. In fact, even when we started this church, I remember last night as I was doing my final prep for the message, I was reminded when we started this church, I called a number of pastors that Um, from around the country who were a part of the organization that we planted with to really just ask them like, hey, could you give me an advice? And I'll never forget one of them. uh, We had just, we had spoke maybe for 20 minutes on the phone. And then about, about two weeks later, I got a large check in this mail from someone I had never met that I spoke to for 20 minutes on the phone that he sowed into this church. Can I tell you, we've been blessed by his yes. We've been blessed by a church in Columbus, Ohio's yes back in 2018. Do you know now what he doesn't even know this? That not only has his yes blessed us, but now there have actually been a number of churches when they reach out to me. I always pray about it, but I love to we love for us, the church, we sow into other churches that are starting. His yes has led to many churches being blessed. You do not know the trickle effect of your yes. It's, listen, here's what you're being asked to do. You're not asked to doing everything, but you're called to do the thing that God is asking you to do right now. Yeah. And for your time in this generation, trust God's word. Here's point number two. Now, let me say this. It's going to sound direct, but I'm going to say it gently. Point number two is you have to stop giving excuses and step out in faith. 
Some of you are like, you're a little salty, Pastor. I was like, can I word this in a more gentler way? And I really couldn't. So I love you, but stop making excuses and step out in faith. Um, I've said before, um, make sure you surround yourself with people in your life who will tell you the truth in love. The in love part's important, though, okay? If you don't do in love, you're just a jerk, okay? Um, say the truth in love. Um, amen. There you are. That was for somebody. Stop giving excuses and step out in faith. When he first asks her to make some bread, she's like, you know, Elijah, I don't have any bread. I only have a little bit of oil and enough flour for my son and I's last meal. What is she? She first gave some reasons for what, for what, I'll say this way. She was giving excuses to the Again, the prophet represented God. She was giving excuses to God for what he couldn't do. And there will come times in your life that God may ask you to do something. That you may actually have a list of reasons or a list of excuses for why he can't do what you believe he is asking you to do. May I submit this to you? Sometimes when you sense a a word from God that you feel like you have excuses for God, this is why this can't happen. I'll give some examples. Maybe for, for you, it's you might think to yourself, God, I can't have a healthy marriage. You know I came from a broken home. Or maybe here's the enemy. This is for some of you. The enemy will beat you up with. God, you know my last marriage failed. Can I tell you, if you ever sense that, it is not from the Lord. It is from the pit of hell. Can I get an amen? amen. You can say, God, I, I, God, I can't get free of this sin. You know my dad struggled with this. You know my granddad struggled with this. You know my great-granddad struggled with this. And we can buy into these lies. Listen, the enemy would love to sell you a lie and to work it as an excuse for what God cannot do in your life. And usually when you have excuses for why God can't do that, like, God, I can't launch this business. I don't have any business background. God, I can't get that position. I don't have the right connections. Let me say it this way. I think oftentimes when we offer excuses, it actually may be the very proof that it is God because you could not do it without him. Let me say this. If all that you're doing in your life you could do without God, I would question if it really is God. Because... We're called to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not into our own understanding, and all of our ways acknowledge him, and he will make our path straight. So we are called to trust in him, rely in him. And here's how you might know God's calling you to do something. You're saying, God, if you don't show up, it will not happen. God, if you don't, if you don't move in this situation, I won't be able to do this without you. May I also say this? He asked her to make bread. She had no bread, but she had the ingredients to make the bread. And sometimes God will ask something from you, and you might think to yourself, God, I don't have what you're asking me for. Can I encourage you with this? What God is calling you to, he's already equipped you for. What he's already called you to, he's already equipped you for. I remember back when I first got married to Christina. And I, th- and I thought to myself, like, she was like a woman of God, like, on fire, passionate, 
uh, incredible. And I was like kind of newer back to faith. And I said, God, how am I going to lead this woman spiritually? I'm still trying to figure that out, Jesus. Come on, somebody. <laughs> She's strong. She's incredible. Um, but I remember God told me this. He said, Jeremy, do not doubt what I've called you to because I've already equipped you for it. That's a word for some of you. Can I tell you, if you feel insecure in and of yourself, that's a good sign. Because that means that your security in that thing will only be found in him. And actually, God loves to put you in situations and circumstances where you rely upon him. Because let's be honest, for some of us, our prayer life is the most vibrant when we are the most in need. (laughs) And we're like, God, would you do it for me? He's like, no, I actually like right where you are because... When everything is good, you don't talk to me. (laughs) Can we be honest in church? Like it's when things are not, oh God, I need you. (laughs) Man, and and maybe, listen, if, if we're not praying desperate prayers, maybe we need to dream God dreams. So we put ourselves in situations where we're saying, God, I need you. God, I stepped out on a word from you. I need you to, to, to come through. And God loves those moments, church. He loves to step into those moments. Verse 13 and 14. He then goes and he gives her the word. He says, make this loaf for me. Don't be afraid. And he gives her the word. The jar of oil, flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain. You know, God loves to step into improbable situations. Because God loves to do the impossible in the midst of the improbable. That God will often call you to things and do things that you feel like, God, how is this going to happen? He loves to call you in those situations because he loves to show up in the impossible. And may I say this as well. She could have thought to herself, man, Elijah, I only have enough oil and flour for my son and I. Let me wait until it rains. When it rains, I'll have more flour. There'll be more olives, so I'll have more oil. Let me wait until the conditions are better, and then I'll make you bread. Have you ever before thought to yourself, you're waiting for conditions to get better? Now, please, don't, don't hear this as an indictment, but I've, I've heard these things before. Some people say, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll propose to her when my money's in order. I'll have a child once some things are better. I'll I'll launch that business when, you know, I start getting this many clients and I know for sure, I know for a certain that if I step out, it will be successful. Now, I'm not saying that it's the word of the Lord for you to, to propose or to have the baby. What I am saying is this, is be mindful. (laughs) For some of you, maybe it is. Thus says the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. But here's what I am saying. Sometimes if you wait for the perfect conditions, you may end up waiting forever. And you actually miss the opportunity. Because God actually loves for you to step out and get married when everything's not in order, so he can set some things in order. God may love for you to step out and launch that business when you don't have certainty, because then you'll be more reliant upon him. 
you'll be more trusting in him. That, that don't wait for the, for the perfect conditions. Embrace God in this moment. I'll be honest, from the beginning of the year, when we felt the God stirring in us, that we were to move forward to find a permanent location. I remember I thought to myself, God, we, you know, we just kind of coming out of the pandemic and God, we're, you know, we're a three and a half year old church. God, this is Bethesda. Come on. And can I tell you what God challenged me in is this very word. Jeremy, I love the improbable so I can do the impossible. Can I tell you, back week one, when Joshua and the Israelites, when he said, I want you to step into the Jordan River, they could have said, God, it's flood stage. God, the waters are over 10 feet high. But Joshua and the Israelites knew, listen, we are going to do the improbable so only God can do the impossible and part the Jordan River. For some of you, what is God asking you to do? Maybe you have been sitting on it. You've been sitting on it. You've been thinking to yourself, I don't know how this is going to happen. Step into the improbable so God can do the impossible. Here's the words of Jesus, Matthew 19, 26. Says, humanly speaking, humanly speaking is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. May I submit this to you? There, there are some things I was reflecting last night on my own life. There are some things, and maybe this is true for you. I believe it is. There are some things in your life right now that are possible. Maybe it's the great marriage you're in. Maybe it's the job at NIH you currently work in. Maybe it's the degree program you're in at American University. Maybe it's the business that you launched. Maybe it's the children in your home. Maybe it's the very house you live in. There are some things in your life that maybe in past seasons you thought were impossible that now today are possible. And may I submit to you, there may be some things in your life today that you think, God, that's impossible. Can I encourage you? We have a God who is all about making the impossible possible for those who trust him and those who step out in obedience to him. Point number three, our last point, is that sacrificial obedience is the seedbed of the miraculous. Verse 15 She went away and did as Elijah told her. I want you to watch this. She only had enough oil and flour for her and her son for one one meal. Then they were going to die. So there was food every day, the Bible says, for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. Underline this part, church, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Whose word are we going to trust? She trusted in the word. And God showed up in a miraculous way. Because of her willingness to obey God, sacrificially, she gave everything she had to a prophet of the Lord. In response to God. And God did the miraculous. It reminded me of what Jesus said in Luke 6.33. He said, give and, and, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. This is far more than a financial principle. In fact, the context of this, he was speaking about forgiveness and mercy. 
But this is a kingdom principle is this, all throughout the Old and New Testament. In fact, I love how Dr. Tony Evans said it. He said, in the ways of this world, you wait for somebody else to give you what you need. But in the ways of the kingdom, you give what you need. So if you're in need of encouragement, give encouragement. Give and it will be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, runneth over, pouring onto your lap. Here's where this metaphor came from. In that culture, um, you were to leave the edges of your fields ungleaned, unharvested for those who are economically impoverished in your community. So a normal person would fill their, or not, not, the, the person who owned the field would fill their basket and they would just kind of fill it to the close to the top. And that'd be it. But those who came in to glean on the edge of the field, they would fill up their basket. They would press the grain down. They would shake it together. So every hole and crevice was filled. And then they would pour enough grain to where the grain was literally running over their basket as they walked away. So he is using an agrarian metaphor that was very common in that culture. They, when he said it, they could have thought of it. Yeah, I've seen people today runneth over baskets. The baskets were just overly full. And here's what he says. That what you need, if you will actually give what you need, that what I will give back to you will be given in proportion to how you give it to others. Give and it will be given unto you. So if you're in need of prayer today, pray for someone else. You're in need of support today, support somebody else. You're in need of resource today, give to somebody else. You know what I didn't share? That very person who sowed into our church, a church in Columbus, Ohio. Do you know he gave actually right in the midst when all of their equipment was stolen? Can I tell you? He got all of that equipment, all of the money for their equipment back in full plus more. Why? Because the principle of the kingdom is when you give, it will be given back to you. Now, some of you might be thinking, Jeremy, that's prosperity gospel. No, I want you to hear the heart of Jesus. He's not saying give and you'll get a new car. Come on, somebody. He's saying this. Listen, here's the heart of our God. He says, if I will see that you are willing to bless others, don't you think I will bless you abundantly? If I can see that you will be an encouragement to others, I'll bring someone to encourage you. I heard, I heard one time somebody said this way. If God can get something through you, do not doubt for a second he can get it to you. Give and it will be given unto you. I was reminded of a story of a couple here at our church. Our first year, we did an end of year offering. And... Um, as they prayed and asked God, they felt God put on their heart to give the amount of money that was in their wedding fund that they had saved that they were going to use at the turn of the new year to get married. And the number that God gave them was for that wedding fund. So as they stepped out in faith, gave what they had, the turn of the year happens, and I confirmed this last night with them, they received back over double of what they gave from another avenue for their wedding. Give, and it will be given unto you. Shake down, press together, runneth over. Can I tell you, the key to blessing is being generous. And not just with finances. It's with all of our life. What do you need today? Give it today. Press down.
shaken together. I love what R.G. Letourneau said. He's a, arguably one of the most successful businessmen of the 20th century. He made millions in his lifetime as an inventor and business owner. And he gave 90% of his income back to God. Here's what he said. He says, I shovel out my money and God shovels it back. <laughs> but God has a bigger shovel. Pressed down, shaken together, runneth over. Trust God. John 6 was a moment. We're coming to a close when Jesus, it was the, I'll summarize the text. It's a feeding of the 5,000, which we know is more like 15,000 because the 5,000 was the men. So women and children, about 15,000 people. And when they first said, Jesus says, I want to feed the people who are here with me. He was preaching for a long time. Well, you know you're preaching for a long time if you bump into lunchtime. Come on, somebody. So if I ever go long, just remember, Jesus went long. Okay? I'm just kidding. One of the disciples, Philip, said, God, it would take more than a half a year's wages for enough bread for each one to have a bite. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves. And two small fish. But how far will they go? And can I tell you, regardless of what it is, even if you feel like in your life, whatever it is, there's a small step of obedience. Can I tell you, what is small in your hands is much in the hands of God. Applied to every area of your life. Here's what happens. Five loaves, two fish, in the hands of God, fed 15,000 people conservatively. Then they gathered what was left over, filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. What happened? They gave this little boy, come on, gave what his mama packed him that morning. That little lunch from a boy, just to give context as well, children were overlooked in that culture because they were seen as having no social or economic capital. So they were devalued in that culture. Again, Jesus, again, chooses the disadvantaged, chooses the overlooked, and he uses his little and God does much. Because you know what happens in the economy of the kingdom of God? Is God multiplies your little and turns it into much. God takes someone's, someone's encouragement, takes our gifts, and can change someone's life. And I, I share that. To apply to all of your life. Of whatever, here's my hope. This has been our hope in this initiative. And this, is, this, this extends beyond this moment. Please hear this. Is whatever God is asking you to do. Whatever words God put on your heart. Whatever is written in his word. That here's my hope as your pastor. That you would trust in God. Regardless of how small or how large the step of obedience is. That you would say yes to God. Why? Because you never know who will be blessed because of your yes. I close with this scripture. It's been the theme of this whole initiative, this whole series, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We're believing that in your life. We believe in that for our church.